When did pumpkin spice latte get kicked out of the Spice Girls? Answer me this, answer me this. What is the velocity of Viennese whirls? Answer me this, answer me this. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Last episode of Answer Me This got listener James very excited. You could say it got him red and hot under the collar. <laughs> sure. He says, I was very excited to hear the mention of Red and Hot Sichuan Restaurant on Chelton Street on the podcast as I live two doors away. Martin's dream house. Red and Hot has only fairly recently moved from having a zero star out of five rating for food hygiene up to having three stars. Did you know that, Martin? Had you noticed? I've been going there for years and I've never been ill. Ollie, answer me this. What is investigated when these stars are awarded? And how is a restaurant allowed to still remain open if it has been awarded zero stars? And is there a legal requirement for putting the sticker in the window? I am presuming yes, because this place still proudly placed its zero star rating sticker right on its front door. So what is investigated when the Food Standards Agency come to give you a star rating? A, uh, the hygiene... So how's the food prepared? How's it cooked? Uh, Is it reheated? That kind of thing. Uh, B, the structure of the buildings, and are they an appropriate place to make food for the public consumption? You have to have the kitchen tiled up to a certain height of the wall, that kind of stuff. Exactly. And C, what's in place in terms of the management of the restaurant to ensure that if there are lessons to be learned, they actually will be learned? So in other words, is there a line manager who can say, we'll make sure that every chef is trained to stop doing this thing where they dip each crab in piss before they put it in the soup or whatever (laughs) Um, so that's basically the three things they're looking for and to get five out of five you have to score highly in each of those categories to score zero out of five you have to do badly in all three of those things um so it is quite damning to get zero i mean one star you can sort of understand why you know like a kebab shop or something where someone's being paid minimum wage to work there and it's expected to be a fairly casual restaurant you can imagine why they could easily get to one star zero stars that is fairly damning is there a legal requirement for putting this sticker in the window saying you've got zero stars no there isn't which actually speaks in favor i think of uh red and hot um although they may have been pleasantly surprised by zero stars (laughs) rather than (laughs) minus one because there is a level below zero stars as james alludes to which is shutting the restaurant down Mm. so the food standards agency on an inspection can shut the restaurant down if they think there is an immediate threat to the general public if they think your food is not safe by giving you zero stars they're at least saying well we kept them open on the day we arrived, there was no pressing reason to close this restaurant down in the interest of public safety. I feel the need to defend this restaurant. I mean, I've never got sick from anything of it in there in all the years I've eaten that. When you go out to eat with Martin, he's like the canary down the mine. If he doesn't get food poisoning from a place, <laughs> then doesn't matter what the hygiene rating says, that place is clean. I've got really sensitive chitlins. <laughs> so I'm going to get set off for Aisley. Yes, yeah. so Martin actually recommending a uh, restaurant in which raw meat is served... Yeah, low diarrhea risk. That's five stars. (laughs) Martin used to work at Westminster Council where he was privy to the records for a lot of the Chinatown restaurants that we enjoyed. And um, Past tense. Our favourite dim sum restaurant of the time Mm. uh, had not distinguished itself in a very positive way. Here's the thing. In a place like Chinatown, you've got tons and tons of food establishments. It's it's pretty much food, you know, Mm. restaurant, 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 cafe, food shop, restaurant. Rodents. And once you get clear them out of one place, they kind of go to to another place. So there's a constant cycle of like, it's a a, a war against, you know, pests basically the whole time. So, you know, if you read somewhere that like seven years ago, your favourite Chinatown restaurant 
Someone was sat there eating dim sum and they saw a mouse run across the floor and the waitress killed it with a high-heeled shoe. And then didn't pick it up. Oh, this is no. a specific quotation of what you this read. This is... is yeah, okay. I don't know if I should be saying this. It's, it's, it's not a huge surprise. It yeah. did explain why it was frequently closed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I remember the place and they did seem to be under new management a lot. If you've got a strong stomach, unlike Martin, uh, I would strongly recommend the Disgusting Things Found in Food slideshow on the Daily Stars website. Oh, no. It is. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't cope with it. What was the most disgusting thing you could cope with seeing there was a rasher of bacon that someone found that still had a pig's nipple on it i think if you're willing to eat a pig's flesh then why discriminate against the nipples no but i know but it's the surprise isn't it in a chicken nugget there was a worm and so yes you know you've you've chosen low quality chicken you haven't chosen at that point to eat stuff out the ground and yet when i get my abel and cole box with some very muddy salad and there's a slug on it i think well so so fresh out the ground that the slug (laughs) is still alive you're right it's It's not that i'm pleased to see it it, but like uh, it does seem almost a good sign there was a bit of lung in a kfc chicken I saw a long in a KFC chicken. I had that in 2003 in the Brixton KFC after seeing the streets at Brixton Academy. You went to see the streets at Brixton Academy? <laughs> yeah, I know. A friend of ours was in the band. He played keys. And he had a comp to see the streets at Brixton Academy. He thought, I know who'd like this. Helen. I was really into the streets that, back then. Slow it down, Martin. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Go and find a long in KFC. <laughs> this is Murray from Edinburgh. I've just been on a date, a Tinder date with like a really extremely nice guy and I feel super positive but he looks exactly like my dad which um which I didn't realize at the tinder picture stage of events so yeah I just I just want to know is that is that like too creepy to continue with this stuff well I think there's one important question how hot is your dad (laughs) nervous laughter but there is this uh well I was going to say sort of theory but there is actually research that shows uh, the people, I mean, this is in heterosexual couples, the research, but the same would apply in homosexual couples, just reserve, reverse it. The research shows that you're more likely to go for someone that has the same hair and eye colour as your opposite gendered parent. They think it's something to do with if you've had a happy childhood, it's that you associate from a very early age sort of love and familiarity with the face you see peering down at you for three years, changing your nappy and tickling you and changing your clothes. And on some subliminal level, that's what you idealise. None of us seem to have partnered up with anyone that looks like our parents, either side of our parents. I my family have got blue eyes, have they? They flushed out that Brown obsessive gene, didn't they? Hazel, yeah. I mean, we've just employed a builder who looks exactly like my dad. Oh. And that was a really weird thing. Does he dress like your dad? Because no. your dad had a specific style. He did. <laughs> he did. That's a generous way to put it. My dad wore the same gilet for 30 years. The same type of gilet or the actual same gilet the same type he went to banana republic in 1990 and never looked back he bought 25 <laughs> and just wore them on rotation holy cow like what, like his one... black polo neck for steve jobs but... in one shot he bought 25 from the shop no i think he bought five and then um it was from banana republic in beverly hills we were there on holiday Ooh. and i think he went back the following christmas and bought another five and uh, that wow. formed the basis of his wardrobe for 20 years so how old was he when he when that happened at 40 so i've still got five years left before i, say, I choose got... my style I've got about 12 months yeah. before I lock it in. Yeah, exactly. And I've just discovered a really like varsity jacket, so maybe that's the thing to there you go. invest in. By 20. Um, so anyway, this builder turned up you know, for a consultation because we're having our house extended, um, and he turned up to quote for the works, and I'd chosen him based on his CV and his ratings. Not on his looks. Not on his so looks. So very different process to Tinder, <laughs> yeah. choosing a builder. Exactly. Um, and so when he turned up at the door, it was genuine. I mean, he really looked like... I've met him a few times since because we've ended up choosing this builder. 
Um, and actually, when he turned up for the second meeting, he'd cut his hair and he looked a bit smarter. He was wearing a shirt. Mm-hmm. But the first time he was wearing a T-shirt and he had rough hair, you know, not at all styled and a bit long. And he looked so much like my dad that I actually had to tell him. And it made me feel really weird because it's a weird thing to be told by someone that you've just met. I'm really sorry I have to stop this conversation, but you look identical to my dead father. But I had to do it. Like, because it was just in the back of my head the whole way through the conversation. Dead yeah. dad, dead dad, dead dad. I was like, I have to tell him. So we were talking for about 20 minutes and then I said, I'm really sorry. But I, j- I know this is a bit weird, but I just have to tell you, you do look exactly the same as my dad. And I showed him a picture. Wow, what did he say? Luckily, he didn't say, <laughs> like that fucking guy. Was he, li- was he like, oh, I get that a lot. No, <laughs> yeah. I've just got one of those dead dad faces. No, he just, he, he said, I can see the resemblance. Hmm. and it did make me think have I chosen this builder partly because he looks like my dad but I I don't think so I I think it's because he came in with a reasonable quotation for me a greater problem is seeing the resemblance between Martin and his dad rather than Martin and my dad yes because it's a scary vision of what laid down the track for your marriage because he's a really handsome man I think think Martin's dad's got a great look Mm. Uh, he's got a wonderful snowy beard Um, he did pick a look and stick with it though didn't he Santa the look is Santa and Santa on holiday in summer Um, but I don't fancy Martin's dad which I think is appropriate yeah and that's why I have to keep these things separated do you have a slightly flirtatious relationship with Martin's dad absolutely not I'm not sure I have a flirtatious relationship with anyone I think you two have a natural, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Froideur. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Hostility. Uh, no, no, there's a, yeah, well that too. There's the odds there. Back to this question, because uh, Murray isn't concerned that he's flirting with this man's father, nor is he concerned about employing this man as a builder for his house. <laughs> he's worried about he's flirting with about. his own father. <laughs> what he's concerned about is that on some level it's just wrong, and maybe he's attracted to this person because it looks like his father. Is it creepy? What should he do? This would be a single episode plotline in Friends, wouldn't it? I kind of think he should go on another date because he said this one went well, mm. and um, he feels positive about it. <laughs> uh, no, but I think it's just like whether he can go on another date and not amplify the thought that this guy looks like his dad. Because obviously he didn't look like his dad in the very first approach, which was online and photographic. Well, you say obviously. Because well, mean, Murray says yeah, exactly, he didn't look but, like his dad. But maybe he's kidded himself. Oh. I mean, you know, maybe on some subliminal level, it was exactly because he looked like your father, Murray, that you were interested. I mean, it may be completely subliminal, so I don't expect you to be aware of it, but it's possible, isn't it? So I wonder whether it would be possible to take the relationship further with this thought shouting away in his mind or whether he'd go on the next date and be like oh actually no he d- he doesn't really look like my dad or whether you could get far enough into the dating if it still goes well and you you like each other to take him for a radically different to your father haircut and uh, yeah. wardrobe makeover i think that's right and I actually think it is possible to quieten the voice in your own head saying it and i think the way to do it is to do what i did with my builder john and say <laughs> John, I have to tell you this. Do you think that would absolutely kill a fresh Tinder situation, though? <laughs> I think you need to judge it and check they've got the same sense of humour as you and he's not going to find it too weird. But I, I think you can find the right moment to do it in the right way. But and, and but with all the caveats that I wasn't interested in you mm. because you look like my dad. So I think once you've said it, once you've got it out into the open, I mean, maybe playing this podcast, once you've got it out into the <laughs> open, then that, will, that, that, that voice in your head will subside. My concern is... I'm not going to take my builder for lunch with all of my friends and to meet my mum. But, Murray, you are going to take this guy perhaps back to meet your dad at some point. And even if your dad doesn't say something, everyone around your dad is going to think you are dating someone that looks like your dad. So I think you've got to be prepared to have that conversation with everyone. 
But actually, you know, if you really do get on and you love him, then it doesn't matter, does it? I think it does matter because if they're having sex, you might think, I'm having sex with my dad, I'm having sex with my dad. So that's why it matters. No, because I'm saying I think he can get past that. I look at John and I no longer see my dad. But you're also not having sex with John, so... That's also true. Yeah. Well, so far, the work hasn't begun yet. I don't know what I'll do to get a discount. (laughs) I've got a question. Email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. 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 Here's a question from Emma in Alberta, Canada. She says, Helen, answer me this. Why do we use the phrase ship it in reference to a desire to see two people, often fictional characters, get together romantically? For example, I ship Harry and Hermione. Why did she end up with Ron? There's no boating involved. Why did we make ship a verb? How long have we been using this? When she says, why do we use the phrase? I've literally never heard I've that I've never phrase. heard that. Yeah. I think we're we old. We in Alberta, that's... Canada. Does she mean millennials in Alberta, Canada? People. Or... People. We people. Is it young people, though? Is it a young person's thing, this? Uh, Had you heard it? Yes. So... And I'm 37. Have you? When did you hear it? It's all over the internet, mate. Oh, is it a new thing, then? People will say, I really ship Michael Sheen and Sarah Silverman. I really ship Michael Sheen So that means and you Sarah want them Silverman. to get together. No, they are together and you're like, I've, oh. I've, I ship that couple. Oh, so it's only if they are together? No, it, it can be both. So you can do it for couples that aren't couples and it couples that are couples. aspiring shipping and real life shipping. I see this pair as a good couple. Exactly. exactly. So, Whether or not they are or not, a couple or not. Okay, so to take an example closer to home, mm-hmm. uh, listeners to the early days of the podcast could have said, I ship Helen and Martin. Yeah. Well, they would have been like, I ship Ollie and Martin because quite a lot of people did seem to have sent a free song between the two There's, of you. If, if only this podcast was around 10 years later, there would be Liam Payne, Harry Styles like fan porn about Ollie and Martin. But what oh, you say? think it's Liam Our and Harry, not Louis old. and Harry? Oh, was it Louis and Harry? Or Zane and Harry? Wait, what's it called when they. Slashwick. No, yeah, but there's oh. a specific one for One Directioners. With yeah. Louis and Harry, what's it called? Oh, uh, Larry Stylison. <laughs> That's it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's so ridiculous. They might have shipped me and you, Helen. Those people don't know us. No, exactly. <laughs> they might have shipped us. Uh, this, this is probably why people will generally go for fictional characters because they don't know them right, and yeah. they're not nauseated by their disgusting real selves. Okay. So if you see two people and think, oh, I think they're going to get together, is that called a shipping forecast? Oh. Uh, hey, that's quite good, yeah. Martin. The sense that Emma means, it's an abbreviation of relationship. Um, oh, that makes sense. So there was the term relationshipper. First of all, and and shipper and relationship are used interchangeably in news groups. And this goes back to the 90s for X-Files forums, basically. In fact, use the word news groups takes me straight there. A shipper is somebody who does what? In the case of the X-Files ones, it was people who wanted Mulder and Scully to get together. It's the person writing about or arguing for the relationship to exist. Yes. People who aspired for Mulder and Scully to get together called themselves relationshippers, and then they abbreviated that to R-shippers, and then shipper. Right. That makes sense. And so as people started using other things on the internet, like LiveJournal, shipping evolved beyond the X-Files. Okay. Have you heard of Stanning? Which is kind of the same. That's it's like being a super fan, and it gets its name from Eminem Stan. So you might no, you, you you might say you're a an Andrew Lloyd Webber stan. Yeah. So it's not a romantic thing, but it's a similar kind of fervence, and that's the I, the I cover like him you so use. So much, I'd stalk him and kill myself to the sound of Phantom of the Opera. Sounds sounds about right. And record a cassette of it. Yeah, I'm glad you've got a plan. <laughs> that never made sense in Stan, did it? The whole business of I'm sending you a cassette, and I don't know if it's broke. 
But here we go. Oh, I'm dead. Well, how did he put it in the post? I just never understood that last no, they bit. Re- well, they could... recovered it from the car, didn't they? But then who would post it? I mean, how would it get there? Maybe the police. Maybe but the how, police... Would, how would Stan ever hear it? Not Stan, the rapper that he's sending it oh, to. Oh, because the police might want Eminem's input on this death in which he seemed somehow complicit. So they'd be like, did you know this person? Eminem would be like, no, I, I'm not familiar with him. And they were like, well, he seems to know you. Here's some tape. <laughs> Here's some tape of him singing, rapping along to Dido. Yeah. It's just weird. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a nice em- Eminem explains ending, in the last but... verse. Yeah. He's like, oh, come to think of it, it was you. Yes. Yeah. I think it, it takes quite a long time for these terms to enter the vocabularies. 20 years is not that long. Uh, are you familiar with Slashvik? as a term yes so that's from like the early 70s and star trek stanning uh, or shipping it wasn't guns and roses fans i presume there is slash fic about slash maybe slash and michael jackson getting it on yeah but there was a lot of that yeah so slash fic was uh, referring to a pairing of kirk and spock uh, from star trek so kirk slash spock and that's how the slang came about because then you just say slash to mean that and then it just came to mean fan fiction oh, of different kinds oh, that's interesting thank you yeah. that's two answers in one i never yeah. realized that the slash meant the forward slash yeah. you put between two names. Usually slash would be um, would be same gender relationships. Mm. Oh, really? Why? Yeah. I guess because Kurt and Spock. That's the culture it uh, came out of. So, but if you had uh, a heterosexual relationship, would you not use a slash? What would you know. use? You'd use a slash, wouldn't you? Harry slash Hermione. Yeah. Maybe. Well, yeah, I guess you could use a hyphen. Hyphen fic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't <laughs> Yeah, you don't know, and that's why it's funny. And it looks a bit like a penis sticking it to the woman's name. <laughs> well, if you are a true stan of our show, uh, then you will be uh, very thankful for our intermission. I, I would say so, because you just want a little bit more answer me this, or because you're thinking, I'd like to support these fucks by giving them some of my cash, but I want something in return. Hmm. And uh, I think that's legitimate. Yeah, and I that, mean, that's how most, most things work in our society. Yeah, and that's why we've got our first 200 episodes for sale at answermethisstore.com, along with our albums and uh, best of episodes and blah, blah, blah. Yes, but, you can also buy them from iTunes yes, and Amazon, yes. and you're more than welcome to do that if the technological convenience persuades you that that's better than giving us the slightly higher royalty by buying it from us directly. It's your choice. And for today's intermission, I've chosen a rather unusual event in the history of Answer Me This. It happened in episode 92, in which Ollie and Martin prove their physical prowess. It's like Women in Love, isn't it? It's a bit like Women in Love in audio form. Get ready. Here's a question from J-Dog in Stroud. Answer Me This, who would win at an arm wrestle between Martin, the physicist, and Ollie, the English graduate? I doubt there'd be much in it. Ooh, There's only one way to settle this, as Harry Hill would say. <laughs> I'm just tremendously curious to see what's going to happen. This is Martin's going to win is the answer. I have no strength at all. No, but also your you arms are longer. Gym. I couldn't crush a pea, Martin. <laughs> yeah, but that's not the kind of exercise they have at your gym. They're clasp- are we counting to three? How does this work? I'll count to three. Okay. Okay. They're clasping hands. Martin's, They're ready. Martin's clasping three, their hands very tenderly. Three, two. Martin's going to win. One yeah. wrestle. No. No. Oh. Muscles are bulging, sort of. Oh. <laughs> it's first they can with puny men. Ollie, Ollie's, oh. <laughs> Ollie's leaning back against the drum kit, both his feet on the sofa. It's still neck and neck. He's holding his own. He's screaming, but he's holding his own. Martin cannot budge him. There's a lot of shaking and kicking going on. <laughs> I'm going to have to give up just a bit. Oh. Faces are red. Oh, Martin just well oh. took it, but they're both in pain. Oh, that, was, that was tough. That was that a was, good match. That, All right. That was a more of attrition, really, I thought. Do please send us your questions in your own voices. You can record a voice memo and email it to us. 
at our email address, which I hope you're familiar with by this point. Or you can Skype us at Answer Me This, or you can call the following number. And remember, there's no voicemail greeting anymore, but that is our number. Let's hear who's been in touch today. This is Chris in California. So there's a a Miss Marple story, the one called uh, The Tuesday Night Club, I think, in which one of the the red herrings is a bowl of cornflour. And I know that in modern usage, cornflour is just the stuff that in America we call cornstarch. It's a white powder made from corn. But this sounds like it's a preparation made from that. So it says, uh, a pity, commented Miss Clark. It is nicely made, too. No lumps. Gladys is really quite a nice cook. Very few girls nowadays seem to be able to make a bowl of cornflour nicely. So I presume since they're talking about lumps that it was mixed with liquid, but was this mixed with water or with some other liquid? Was it cooked? Uh, Was there something else added? I would love to know this. It's been bugging me for years because I love food and I read a lot of Agatha Christie. That's niche. I think it's fair to say (laughs) no one else in the audience is wondering about this cornflower reference from an Agatha Christie book I've never heard. What was it called? It's called The Tuesday Night Music Club. It's a short story which is the first ever appearance of Miss Marple. Okay. Published 1932. Okay, The Tuesday Night Music Club. The idea of um, this book of stories is there was a club of people that would come round to Miss Marple's and then they'd each tell each other a murder case, and Miss Marple would always fucking solve it, just right. from the clues they said. Yeah. Mm. And um, probably they thought, that old gal's got some gifts. That would be a fun way to spend a Tuesday night, wouldn't it? Not if just, like, the same person got it right every time. Sure, mm. but, I mean, instead of just, like, getting all together to watch a film and have a pizza yeah. or whatever, get together to solve a murder. Yeah, well, now you'd listen to a true crime podcast, wouldn't you? Yeah. And speculate endlessly. Not as much fun, though, is it? Not as, as much uh, as Miss Marple's Miss Marple. Tuesday night. Yeah, especially if she was hottie Angela Lansbury, Miss Marple. Was Tuesday Night Music Club that Cheryl Crow album? Yes, it was. Where they uh, oh, solved yeah. murders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't um, think it was based on Agatha Christie, and I don't remember any reference to Cornflower. <laughs> all I want to do is have some fun. All I want to do is have a bun. That's what she was originally saying. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Until I find out the murderer was uh, yeah. Jeff with the lead pipe. 85 year old spoilers for the Tuesday Night Music <laughs> Club. Yeah, sure. um, three people have the same dinner uh, tinned lobster, bread and cheese, and trifle. And one That's of, a good dinner. Lovely. I mean, yeah. tinned lobster sounds rank, but actually probably tastes quite nice. It's quite rich, all those things. Lobster, cheese, trifle. Yeah. One person feels ill after the dinner, so the maid takes her a bowl of cornflour, but she dies. So the implication was that the cornflour was poisoned. Right. What the cornflour was, was a drink for indigestion ah. of people feeling sick. And um, arrowroot is another similar starchy powder that you'd add to water and sometimes some other flavourings like, say, orange peel or cinnamon. Uh, whip oh, it up I into. I can't imagine a, wanting cinnamon when I feel ill. You know, it's an invalid food, so it's got a soothing texture. It's hot. It slow releases glucose. So if you can't absorb other foods, yeah. then it at least gives you some energy. So this was to settle this woman's stomach. Now, I'm sure that cornflour and water is what my mum used to mix up to make glue for papier-mâché. Yes, that's exactly mm. what I was going to say. Yeah, I thought those were the crucial ingredients. But maybe that's not the same cornflour then, because it certainly didn't have no, peel in it. It was the same cornflour. You add the peel. That's yep. optional in the glue or the drink. But okay. it means I'd be a little dubious of the drink. But there are still drinks with cornflour in. There's a Haitian milkshake style drink and it's got cornflour condensed milk water sugar and spices in sounds all right if you wanted to help someone who'd been taken ill at your dinner party and they've gone upstairs feeling ill yeah 
What would you have your maid prepare <laughs> nowadays? Uh, so I've got to get into character of somebody who would have staff. Yeah. You'd make sure they had a lot of water. You can be on first name terms, Helen, and give them more than Christmas off. That's fine. You can okay. rock this 2017 style. Uh, all right. So Phyllis. What would I get Phyllis to make? <laughs> peppermint tea. Yeah, probably a peppermint tea. Yeah, people do say that settles the stomach, don't they? Anyway, do you want to hear the spoilers for the murder mystery? Do I? Do you? <laughs> uh, not really, but go on. I would like to. So we're, we're deep into this now. So the, so the puzzlers, they all ate the same thing. Yes. They took the cornflour to one. The, the, that person didn't eat the cornflour and that person died. Yeah, but I think the implication was the maid gave her cornflour, the maid poisoned the cornflour, so this woman died. Except they then found out the woman didn't eat the cornflour and a woman who was still alive ate the cornflour. The actual poison thing was not the cornflour, it was the hundreds and thousands on top of the trifle. So the woman who survived didn't eat the trifle because she was on a diet. And the man who survived scraped the hundreds and thousands off because he was the murderer. Mm. Mm. But he wanted to implicate the kitchen maid who he'd got pregnant. Wow, so you've got to no. be pretty confident as a murderer, haven't you, that you can eat a trifle that you've poisoned the topping yeah, of. you've put arsenic hundreds and thousands into yes, the cream. because they do bleed. And also something as small as hundreds and thousands, you don't have one sneaking off. I suppose arsenic is a poison where a small dose doesn't kill you. You wouldn't want to necessarily experiment with that, though, yeah, would I you? Yeah, wouldn't, I wouldn't. I'd be worried it would have seeped into the Swiss roll. Here's another question of food from Yorick, who says, This week, I was on a date with a boy. Mm-hmm. As I'm disgustingly cheap, and we were going to a gig... Well, that's not cheap. We went to Subway, and I bought a salad. My date and I got to talking about the smell in there. I've always loved it. He's always hated it. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> but, Ollie, answer me this. Why does Subway smell the way it does? To be clear, we are talking about Subway, the chain of uh, sandwich shops here. Yes, not, not the, the underpass under a motorway <laughs> exactly. or the uh, New York tube system. Yeah, because there is a smell in those places, but that's oh, to do with is. ventilation and homelessness. It doesn't smell of baked bread or any of the toppings. And the smell is pervasive enough to cover most of a block on the high street. Mm. How do they get the same smell everywhere? What's the deal with it? Okay, so the thing that a lot of people would jump to here, because Mm. they've heard the stories about supermarkets pumping out the smells Mm. of various different fresh products, is that this must be a synthetic smell and it must be pumped out. I think that's because Subway, the food looks like it is synthetic. They say, we do not pump out any smells from our restaurants deliberately. There is no ventilation installed so that it goes onto the streets. You can smell it down the street to get your appetite, you know, working. We just put our bums out the door and fart. (laughs) We just, well, we basically, we just have a small shop where there's the smell of lots of processed ham and turkey being opened in a confined space. <laughs> oh, well, that sort of gross sulfurous smell. Yeah, oh. and bread being baked. So when when Yorick says it isn't the smell of bread being baked, no, it isn't the smell of bread being baked. It's the smell of Subway bread being baked. And yeah. Subway bread has been pre-prepared off-site, mm-hmm. frozen, and is then thawed and then uh, baked in store. And the bread itself has cheese and oregano and right. parmesan mm. and weird flavours in it. And basically, that's just what it smells like. The, okay. s- the smell of five different flavours of thawed-out bread being baked smells like that. That makes sense, because it is a bit of a bready smell, but it's also a sweetish smell. Yeah. And that kind of bread has more sugar in it than average bread, because mm. it's 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 designed to rise much quicker than bread that is actually nice. And also, it has that kind of bilious smell of bad cheese. I would say that if I was to characterise the subway smell in two words, it would be fake brioche. Mm. Like a sw- like a sort of slightly synthetic like sweet bread color, smell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I would say more. It's like sometimes when you Martin have had quite a gross meal, like a bit of a shit pizza. The subway smell smells like the burps you do after. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got fake brioche, Martin burp. What's your two words subway definition? 
Cheese farts. Um, <laughs> yeast gas. Yeast mm. gas. Yeah, say. there we go. But then yeah. yeast makes places like Edinburgh smell good. Yeah. Mm, Delicious, yeah. like hops and stuff. But put well. Edinburgh in a confined space and add artificial Parmesan cheese to it. Don't know. Mm. Subway. I'm an influencer, you want to be who I am You envy everything on my Instagram But it's all stock photos, my life's a total sham I can't even do yoga But I'm a real health expert I use Squarespace, all my photos and advice Are all in the one place And I built a store, so you can buy into my taste Eight dollar smoothies, Yes, it's another beautiful new song about Squarespace. Uh, and if you want to make a beautiful website, you should be doing that with Squarespace. It's a very good idea. Yeah, it um, still won't be as beautiful as that song is, though. That's a very major artistic achievement of yeah, ours. Yeah. But other types of artists can use Squarespace to uh, <laughs> showcase their work. That's, that's right, a yeah. popular use of Squarespace, isn't it? People doing uh, galleries and uh, portfolios. And... Some quite good photo templates. Yeah. Well, some very good photo templates. Yeah, you can... Yeah. Uh, you Graphic can... designers, models, whatever you do that's like that. If yeah. it's visual, architects, good idea to use Squarespace, show yeah. your work. Yeah, make make a store to sell it. Artists uh, need to do that. I know because I was raised by one and, uh, <laughs> and if only... Oh, God. <laughs> Just go to squarespace.com <laughs> for a free trial and when you're ready to launch... You can save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain by using our offer code. Answer. Here's a question from Nathan who says, I always see signs in shops saying that store detectives may operate there. I've never seen one, but Ollie answered me this. Is that because they're just dressed in normal clothes rather than a Sherlock Holmes type character that I have in mind? (laughs) Do store detectives exist? What do they do? Do they sneak around the shop like the Pink Panther? No, they do exist. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to have the sign saying they exist, would they? I mean, that's your first clue, Nathan. Well, Ollie, let me not get onto theological matters. But... <laughs> God, I'll I think, just park that well, there. Yeah, sure. But, you know, God bless us, everyone. God bless America. That's an invocation, isn't it? It's not a sign saying God patrols this supermarket. I saw a sign outside a church saying Jesus is alive, fact. Mm. And even in the Bible, that is... Not. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, sure. Um, right. Store detectives are the glamorous name for the in-house security at supermarkets that stop them losing profits by people stealing food. Mm-hmm. That's it. Store detectives. Yeah. So security store guards. detectives. It's kind of like it's a bit like mall cop. It's a phrase that like it's mm-hmm. supposed to make the job sound more impressive than it is, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to appeal to people who you know perhaps they have a past working for the army or working in the police, but probably. You know, those people tend to get jobs as bouncers and stuff. Probably they've just always wanted to do that and didn't quite have the qualifications or the physical fitness. So, you Mm. know, here's a relatively menial, relatively, you know, low-paid job. um, But by calling it store detective rather than private security that's not paid very much, you know, they they make it seem more appealing as a job you might want to do. And also it gives them a little bit more credibility when they come up to you and tell you to put that loaf of bread back, otherwise you'll be in trouble. Because actually, in, in some places, they even can sort of quotes on quotes arrest you they don't actually have the right to do that, mm-hmm. um, but it's effectively like a citizen's arrest. They they can mm. arrest you and then call the police and say, "I've detained this person because of this." Here's the evidence, and then the police take it from there. So, but they're not really doing detective work, are they? Beyond the very immediate, I've seen someone put uh, yeah. items in their bag. Who stole this fish? The person with a fish in their yeah. jacket. But they're That's not the kind of level of detective yeah. work. They're doing. I mean, they're detecting someone shoving milk in their yeah. pocket. Yeah, but yes. it's not magnifying glass bloodhound. It's not arsenic. Cartoon. <laughs> it's no. no cartoon detective work no, happening. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. It's no Tuesday night. Club. No. Yeah. No. 
Tuesday night cornflower club. <laughs> exactly. No one steals cornflower. Well, they might in the supermarket. Well, they do have to be relied upon, though. Uh, so they have to be um, people that are security cleared. Like, they, they themselves can't have had a criminal record mm-hmm. because their evidence sometimes has to be relied upon in court. So they have to be a credible person. Is it a lonely job being um, a store detective? I security? think it probably is, yeah, because it's probably like even the managers in the store... They probably feel like the fact that that person's there in a way, although it's giving them an extra level of security, it distrusts the staff as well, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, why can't the staff just keep an eye out for people nicking stuff? I'm pretty sure that the other day when I walked in, I said hello to the store detective standing in a suit by the door because it seemed like a lonely job. And I think what he wanted to say to me was, don't even bother coming in. You can't fit into anything in here. Uh, Here's a question from Holes Stoner. How amazing is that name? Um, Holes says, my surname is Stoner. It is. I recently found out that stoner means a person who takes drugs on a regular basis. How did you not know that, Holes? Wow. I think it's wonderful that you've made it this far without knowing. So, Helen, answer me this. Where did the word stoner come from? Insofar as it meant people who were intoxicated, um, it's been around since definitely the 1930s for drunk people. And then in the 60s, it got applied to drugs. I guess because that was more talked about then than it had ever been before but it never gets used for alcoholics now does it or no, use a stoner when well, it got taken over completely by... superseded yeah so before the stoner alcoholics people were saying things like stone drunk i think that's in print uh... from like the 1850s and and that means you're so drunk you have the sensibilities of a stone right like stone mm. deaf and stone mind. blind you've, you've lost your you've lost your senses and maybe you are physically inert as well. So a lot of people will be there going, oh, it's because you're reeling because you're like somebody who's had stones thrown at them in a public stoning. But there's no evidence to suggest that that is the link. Yeah, because that would hint that being publicly stoned is in some way a pleasurable intoxication. Yeah, or that you make it out alive. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Now, you're travelling a lot more to the USA than you used to because Mm. of your work with Radiotopia. Since the partial legalisation of marijuana, have you been tempted? No. Not even slightly? Not at all. Because I'm not at all, if the police are listening, let me clarify, at all a stoner in this country. But if I went to a place where it was legal, nay, encouraged, I'd definitely do it. I don't drink and I live in a country where booze is legal. That's true. And not partaking of it is extremely socially off. Yeah, but partly the reason that you don't drink is because you've tried it and decided you didn't like it. Whereas I've never tried marijuana in a setting where it was just like getting a drink. I'm going to Amsterdam later this month and I have, <laughs> I have zero plans to investigate that side. Okay. So the US is, that is just a, the that's same. That's the acid test, basically. I'm yeah. going to be back the whole time. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping. I mean, what Martin needs is to be more sleepy and docile. <laughs> Down and lonely, life is so confusing. I need some answers. Preferably amusing Now I find A podcast that will suit I listen to Helen and Ollie On my half hour commute Here's a question from David who says For years now, both my partner and my daughter Have been asking if we can get a dog I never wanted a dog I have no interest in them at all. That's not good, is it? I know enough from watching the Dogs Trust ads. Doesn't say, got no interest at all in dogs, get a dog. (laughs) You're really warm to them. (laughs) My my brother really, really didn't want a dog and then my parents got a dog and he adored the dog beyond all measure. How old was he then, though? Nine. Nine Nine-year-olds don't know what they want. No, nine-year-olds do know what they want. He threatened to leave home before uh, we got the dog. Why? 
He really didn't want a dog. But what was he worried would be happening? That he'd be upstaged by the dog? Probably. I mean, I probably felt like that as a child because I was scared of dogs. But I, mm. I think I sort of needed a dog. Because I never had a dog, I still distrust dogs. Maybe David needs a dog. That's a good slogan, actually, for Dogs Trust, isn't it? Don't trust dogs. Don't distrust dogs, dogs trust. All right, yeah, yeah. not yeah. bad. Yeah, well, it's not great. Don't dis dogs, don't distrust dogs, <laughs> dogs trust. <laughs> um, anyway... Uh, David continues uh, Due to us moving to a new house And if I'm honest Me not having any ideas What to get my partner For her birthday A few months ago I went out And bought Harry the Shih Tzu Without consulting Your partner Who's the one Who actually wants the dog You're just like Alright fine Just get any dog Any dog Shih Tzu don't care But he's, he's put his cards On the table He's not interested in dogs You can't blame him For just making a sort of Catch all Well all dogs are the same So I'll get your bloody dog decision well, just so like, silly. If you want a dog I'll give you the money Just you go out and buy it And don't show it to me I'm not interested To be fair I mean he might be talking In a cavalier way You know they might have yeah. gone And had a look at the dog yeah, They might have spent you know. several weeks Making exactly. sure they got the right yeah. dog He just went and paid the money For the dog Is what he's saying uh, This was after both of them uh, This remember his partner And his daughter Had eagerly promised That they would walk him Clean him feed him and tidy up after him and that I wouldn't have anything to do with him you can see where this is going mm. uh, as predicted this lasted all of a fortnight and it is oh. now me who seems to have taken over the day to day care of the fluffy little bastard maybe they're like we're determined to get David into the dog and uh, really it's going to take a lot of dog application for that to happen if this was a Hollywood film that's what it would have been wouldn't yeah. it like your your partner and your daughter would have persuaded you to get the dog because actually you need to come out of your shell you need to go and socialise you need to go and get some fresh air yeah and then at the end you'd open David's doggy daycare. Yeah, but probably having left your partner for Diane Keaton or something. The problem is, he says, I can't make it more than a few minutes out of the door without someone stopping me to tell me how cute the dog is. Oh, what a nightmare. Oh, my life's so rubbish. Why is that a problem? Yeah. Uh, then come the same series of questions I hear time and time again. Uh, what kind of dog is it? How old is he? Is he well behaved? Well, they're just trying Could to be you really polite, buy a dog without they? your partner's permission. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want you to think that they're just treating your dog like a stripper just to excite them visually and then they move on with no human interaction. They're pretending that it's it's a real uh, interaction. Yeah. It's like when people have their picture taken next to a classic car and they feel obliged to ask the owner, oh, how old is it? How fast does it go? And yeah. actually, they just want a picture of them next to their car. But you can't yeah. just take a picture of yourself next to someone's car. Yeah. They want to stop and look at your dog. Yeah. They're not interested in small talk with you, David. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, then I will walk a little further, continues David, only to be stopped and asked the same questions. This is repeated continuously until I get back into the house. I reckon this is all manufactured by your partner and daughter as part of your canine therapy. <laughs> I've tried walking past people, I've pointed at my earphones, or I've even blanked people entirely. Oh, no, the earphones thing didn't work. You need to get bigger earphones. Yeah. Massive, massive. Get big over the ears. Yeah. We're, we're stuck here because this is always Helen's solution for problems of this Just type. Just put on earphones. Yeah. Um, your own private world. No amount of rudeness, he says, will deter a dog lover. Well, this implies that dog lovers are warmer people. They will pass me by altogether and just go straight for the dog, grabbing hold of him and then looking up at me, staring until I engage with them. Don't engage. Don't engage. Don't engage. He says, I'm fed up of repeatedly answering the same mundane questions. Tell me about it, mate. Eleven years in. You have no idea, David. <laughs> and standing round for long periods of time, waiting for people to switch on, that I'm not interested in talking about a dog I have little to no emotional connection with. I thought about getting cards made with yeah. all the dog's details. I was going to suggest that. <laughs> with QR code on the dog. <laughs> oh, yeah, shave it into its fur. Uh, and just handing out the cards to people as they approach. Uh, but that doesn't stop them from assuming that they can just accost my dog at their leisure. 
Don't get me wrong, if I was a single man, I'd be in my element. Having a dog seems to be a fantastic way to meet women. <laughs> that is true about newborn babies as well, by the way. Really? Uh, mm. Like, when I was left alone with my newborn baby for five minutes, suddenly, always mums with their newborn babies, yeah. and they were interested in the baby, not me, but they would suddenly be talking to me in a way that definitely indicated... I'm not in any way threatened or concerned about this conversation like I would be approaching you normally because we're both holding babies. Mm. It is a great way to eat women. Uh, anyway, Helen asked me this. How do I stop people coming near me when I'm out with the dog? Okay, so you've tried headphones. That didn't work. I assume you've tried the pretend phone call because that's your excuse not to engage and just keep walking. That's just good. like, don't stop. Don't stop. Even if the dog's stopping to play, you just it's a shit zoo. You can drag it along. It's not like you're being led by a small dog. That's a small dog that you can lead. My only concern with that, because I think that does work, if you're actually literally on the phone and you're holding a mobile phone to your ear, everyone understands. But you would actually have to be talking out loud to keep that no, going. No, you can just go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Next like someone week. else is talking a lot. Yeah, maybe. You could start jogging, because I think people are less likely to stop a jogger with a dog, and a lot oh, of people do yeah. jog with dogs. You know what I think would be effective, but I think is a bit morally bad, is if you dress the dog up like a service dog where it says on the side of the dog, do not do not distract the service dog. I, mean, yeah. I expect that sort of solution from Ollie Mann, but not from you, Helen Sotts. preempted. But who loses there, really? What? Well, it makes people with genuine service dogs less trustable because yeah, David can't. has tarnished that trust. You no, it doesn't. You're pretending to have a disability for your own advantages. No, he's is... not pretending to have a disability. He's just pretending that the dog is a service dog. Yes, exactly. Well, isn't, he, isn't the suggestion then that people will assume that he, he no, is No, because he could be, as we discussed in the last episode, he could be, he training. be training the dog. Yeah, yeah but okay, also some people okay. have emotional support dogs. That's true. But then again, that's still... Mm, I'm not sure. He's not, it's not like, you know, he's using a disabled loo and therefore a disabled person is missing out on going to the toilet when they really need to. Mm. Mm. You know, by pretending to have a service dog, no one's disadvantaged by that. He's just advantaged that he doesn't have to stop and have a conversation. Yeah. I think it might be that he's going to places where either there aren't any dogs and therefore Harry the Shih Tzu is a novelty, or there are lots of dogs and therefore fellow dog owners are stopping to ask him about the dog. Yeah. I think he needs to choose a route where a dog is just of no remarkability at all yeah you know what though he could do no one's going to want to stop and chat to him if he's wearing a scream mask difficult in summer look it would be hot but he wouldn't have to chat Mm. you can't have everything david Mm. do you want a sweaty face or do you want the dog chat well if you have any suggestions for david to be an anti-social bastard dog walker (laughs) then um do get in touch and actually if you see us walking around feel free to approach you know we're friendly friendly like dogs we don't bite I actually, I, straw that broke the camel's back, it was probably a bit unfair on the bloke, but there was a guy who tweeted me last week saying, saw you at where I work today, didn't say hello because you were having an in-depth conversation with the receptionist. And I, I retweeted it and said, why do podcast fans always do this? Because it is the most common thing is people say, after, they tweet me afterwards saying, really exciting to see you in this place. Come and say hello. I'd yeah. like to meet people who listen well, to my show. There's not that many people out there. Specifically, you'd like to meet people who listen to the show with someone else's witness. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's just, I think people perceive, Helen, that we must be like Hollywood stars getting stopped wherever yep. we go. I think that's very much the perception of it. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Not I the think. case. It may surprise you to learn. So if, you, if you're a fan of the show, <laughs> chances are you'll be the only person that week or maybe the second person that week to come up to us. That's fine. Like, it's always nice to meet you. It's always been an absolute pleasure. Come yeah. say hi. Someone illicitly took a picture of me on a train. Oh, that's And then weird. tweeted saying, just saw you on the train with photo evidence. That's... So much weirder than just saying, hi, odd. do you live here too? Was that a nice photo? No. It was a busy commuter train. I was holding onto a luggage rack. So it was like profile was with potbelly. Oh. Mm. Not good. Double no. chin? Double chin, yeah, exactly. Bald spot. No. Not promotional picture quality. If you must take creepy pictures, <laughs> please make them flattering. Make sure the light 
highlights the cheekbones. Yeah. yeah, I need a bit of a strong light to just give my face a bit of definition. So just bear that in mind if you're papping me. At least filter it. At least filter it. And not while we're eating, because no one looks good while they're eating. But if you have a question, send it through. Absolutely send it through via email, phone, Skype, voice memo. Our contact details are on our website. AnswerMeThisPodcast.com Where you can also find links to the Answer Me This store, where we keep our first 200 episodes available to buy to support the podcast. Uh, And also you can follow us on social media at Twitter and Facebook. Links there too. Uh, remember that we will be back with a brand new episode on the first Thursday of November. Yes. Um, but in between, there will be one of our retro episodes. It's only on our podcast feed, so you have to subscribe to us to hear it. Yes, you uh, do. Where we we delve back into our archive for your oral pleasure. And our slight wincing at our past selves. <laughs> um, and finally, if you'd like to support this show financially for no reason other than you've got deep pockets and you're nice, uh, paypal.me slash answer me this. Right. Every month some of you do that. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.